Hi there, welcome to How to Live, a podcast that explores ways to live a good life. I'm your host Sharad Lal. This is episode 13. Today we are going to talk about sleep. When we don't get enough sleep, not only we, but people around us bear the brunt of it. Bad mood, short temper, poor judgment. These visible signs of low sleep are really bad. But what's even worse is the invisible damage to our health. Periods of low sleep cause dementia, Alzheimer, increases blood sugar, increase the chances of heart disease and cancer, reduces immunity. Every bodily function gets negatively impacted by lack of sleep. Now these facts are really scary. But what's the point of talking about sleep when we can't do anything about it? Many things in life are beyond our control. That's how I was thinking 2 years back. We just had our first child. We were up often at night. There were pressures at work. And of course, we were in the midst of COVID. In the middle of all this, somehow I got my hands on this book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. I was drawn to the science and how he explained it. It was very fascinating. But as I read, I discovered something very powerful. Through small manageable changes, we can make a huge impact to our sleep. We don't need to change our overall lifestyle. I tried some of these things and saw the difference. Then I added more and more. Today I track my sleep, I understand my sleep patterns and have a few simple levers to get a better sleep in whatever lifestyle I find myself in. In this episode, we talk about the science of sleep and six ways to get a better sleep. Through these, we can identify the low-hanging fruits for ourselves to enhance our sleep without changing our overall lifestyle. But before we get there, thank you very much for your generous support and encouraging messages. It means a lot to us and motivates us to keep going and doing our best. To regular listeners, please do consider giving us a rating if you haven't. For new listeners, if you like what you hear, please do consider subscribing and even rating the episode. Thank you in advance. A note on today's episode, there's a lot of literature on sleep. For the science part of it, we've referred to the work done by neuroscientist and award-winning author Matthew Walker. He's the one I spoke about earlier. To us, his books, talks, videos, masterclasses are the best guide to everything sleep-related. So let's talk the basic science of sleep. Experts say we need seven to nine hours of sleep every night. There are two major stages of sleep: the REM sleep. REM stands for rapid eye movement sleep. That's when our eyes dart around randomly when we sleep. We dream during this stage. The other major stage is the non-REM sleep. That's where our eyes don't dart around. This is the stage where we get deep sleep. Unfortunately, the scientists were not very creative in in naming the sleep stages, but we'll forgive them because they've done a huge amount of good work which benefits us. Okay, so back to the sleep stages. Let's first discuss the non-REM sleep. Our brain activity is low and we feel rested. But while we are resting, in the background important things are happening. We are storing memories from our recent experiences. We're taking the short-term memory from the day and moving it to long-term storage. A good way to visualize this is when we are awake our experiences are stored in a temporary USB drive and during non-REM sleep these are transferred from the USB drive to permanent storage which can be accessed anytime Now this isn't just important for memory but it's critical to learning things when we learn languages acquire skills acquire knowledge all these learnings get permanently stored so they can be retrieved when needed This holds true even for motor skills like riding a bike or playing the piano. It's like a save button for everything we've learned. Recently, scientists have discovered something even more fascinating. Not only does non-REM sleep help us save what we've learned, 
It actually helps us learn new things. Yes, while we're sleeping, we can learn things that we might find challenging during daytime. Some folks, while learning to play the piano, discovered that there were sequences they couldn't master during the day. But when they woke up the next morning, somehow they were magically able to play it. Scientists then studied their brains and saw that during non-REM sleep, the motor part of the brain lights up, which implies motor learning taking place. Fascinating, isn't it? Learning things while we are sleeping, which we cannot learn while we are awake. Apart from learning, the second critical role of non-REM sleep is providing calmness to the body. This is the only time when our sympathetic nervous system fully relaxes. Our heart rate drops, our blood pressure drops, the brain waves slow down, the muscles relax. Without the anxiety and stress of the day, the blood can circulate freely in the body. All the organs get the necessary oxygen and blood supply. Non-REM sleep primarily occurs in the early hours of the night. So if we sleep late past midnight, we do not get enough non-REM sleep. With low periods of non-REM sleep, our learning and memory deteriorates. That's why there's a greater risk of getting dementia and Alzheimer's. And then our body doesn't get enough rest. This reduces immunity and increases the chances of heart diseases and cancer. The second major stage of sleep is REM sleep. This is where we dream. Interestingly, our brain activity here is almost similar to what it is when we are awake. In fact, some parts of our brain are 30% more active. In this stage, we analyze the vast amounts of data we've stored we connect the dots, make sense of the world. It's not just simple linear connections, but our brains work at two to three times their capacity to connect seemingly disparate pieces of information and uncover path-breaking ideas. Some of these ideas go on to change the world. The vision of the solar system back in 1500s was imagined in a dream. The periodic table was envisioned in a dream. There are many more examples. The central point is that in REM sleep, our creativity, analytical skills, EQ, work at even greater levels than when we are awake and help us to discover new theories and insights. The second big advantage of REM sleep is overnight therapy. During REM sleep, the anxiety-triggering molecule is turned off. So in our dreams, we can relive our emotionally difficult experiences very vividly but without any suffering. By replaying these negative experiences multiple times and not feeling the anxiety, we can objectively view them and heal from them. There is empirical evidence to support this. In an experiment, scientists recruited people who'd gone through deep trauma. They studied their sleep, and during their sleep, they could measure how vivid their dreams were by the part of the brain that lit up. What they realized is folks who had vivid dreams were more often cured from clinical depression. They say time heals all wounds. Instead, we should say, as Matthew Walker puts it, Dream time heals all wounds. REM sleep typically occurs in the early hours of the morning. So if we have an alarm that wakes us up before we are ready, we lose out on REM sleep. With lack of REM sleep, our EQ and intellectual abilities get impacted. This also causes chronic depression and anxiety. REM sleep is directly related to life expectancy. The more hours of REM sleep we get, the longer we live. By understanding these two sleep cycles and the science of sleep, we realize that sleep is not just a time for relaxation, a passive time to recharge. Instead, it's a critical time of being alive. This is when we are learning things, we are analyzing, creating, improving mental health, building resilience. It's an important part of living and growing. 
Now that we understand how important sleep is, let's talk about ways to get better sleep. There are three variables that affect our sleep. The first is our body. There are multiple systems in our body that make us fall asleep. There's the body clock. Then there's a hormone which creates chemical pressure which puts us to sleep. And there's the popular melatonin which sends a signal to the body when it's time to sleep. If any of these systems get tampered with, sleep gets affected. The second important variable is our mind. Our mind needs to be calm and relaxed for us to fall and remain asleep. Anxiety is the biggest cause for insomnia. The third variable is our environment. We need the right temperature and the right level of darkness to fall asleep. Being denied any of this will affect our sleep. Now with this context, here are six ways to get a better sleep. First, routine. As we talked earlier, a body has an internal 24-hour clock, the circadian rhythm. Most body functions revolve around this. Sleeping and waking up at around the same time aligns ourselves to the internal clock. This then makes it easier to fall asleep and remain asleep. So that's the first tip. Sleeping and waking up at approximately the same time makes a dramatic improvement to our sleep. The second is temperature. Now this is a great point for people who argue with their spouses on what temperature the aircon should be at night. Here's supporting data for folks in the cool camp. Our body temperature needs to come down for us to fall asleep. That's why it's easier to fall asleep in a cold room versus a warm room. Typically a room temperature of 18.5 degrees Celsius. Yes, 18.5 degrees Celsius or 68 degrees Fahrenheit is the ideal cool temperature for most adults to initiate sleep. Another way is to bring our body temperature down. The way we can do it is through a warm bath. A warm bath ironically cools our body because the pores enlarge and the heat can come out. It also has the additional benefit of calming our minds after a hectic day. The third way is darkness. Our bodies have a sleep signaling hormone called melatonin which gets activated during darkness. So when we make our room completely dark, melatonin shouts out to the brain, time to sleep, time to sleep. This then triggers the sleep process in our body. So the tip here is to draw the curtains, switch off or dim the lights 30 minutes before we plan to sleep. Of course, no blue light. That's why no devices. The light fools melatonin to think it's day not night. The only way our body can sense light is through the eyes, and if our eyes are on the screen, it senses daylight. On top of this, devices stimulate the brain, so we're not restful enough to fall asleep. The fourth way is avoid caffeine and alcohol. Let's talk caffeine first. One of the hormones that make us sleep is called adenosine. From the time we wake up, it starts building chemical pressure. This chemical pressure peaks at night time and makes us fall asleep. Now caffeine affects our sleep because it interferes with this hormone and blocks the signal to the brain. So as a result the pressure is built up and it's pretty strong, but the brain does not know about it, so we cannot sleep. The effect of caffeine in our body lasts for roughly 8 to 10 hours. So if we have coffee at least 8 to 10 hours before sleeping, we should be okay. If we sleep at 11 p.m., we can consider having a last coffee latest by 3 p.m. So that's caffeine. Alcohol unfortunately badly affects sleep as well. There is a perception among many of us that when we drink we can sleep well, but alcohol does not enable sleep. What it does is it sedates our prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of the brain. So without worries and stress, we may be able to fall asleep easily, but the quality of sleep is very poor. There are many disadvantages to having alcohol in our system during sleep, but the biggest one is alcohol blocks REM sleep, the dream sleep. This is a big one. 
because we've already discussed all the risks associated with low REM sleep. The fifth way is wind down and relax. Our mind needs to be calm for us to fall asleep. A wind down routine helps. Maybe an hour before sleeping, we can disengage from the TV, phones and other stimulants. We could even consider having a shower, reading a book, meditating or doing some deep stretches. If our mind is racing with emotional thoughts before we sleep, we cannot take them to bed. Research shows that anxiety gets worse at night, and we all know this. We've been kept up quite often at night by that nagging thought which seems like the world is going to come to an end, but when we wake up, we realize it's not that big a deal. A good trick here is to journal and write out troubling thoughts before going to bed. Taking them out of our head even if it means stepping out of our bedroom, pouring a heart out, that's fine. After that we feel lighter and we can fall back asleep. The sixth point is get up and leave the room if we cannot sleep. If we lie in bed unable to sleep for 20 minutes or more, we should leave the room, go outside and only come back when we feel sleepy. Just lying in bed makes everything worse. The bed becomes hotter, we stress about not being able to sleep, our brain gets tricked into thinking bed is not a place for sleeping and many other things. By stepping out we change the geography and energy. The room we go to should be dark or dimly lit. We could read a book or do stretches. One technique that works for me is putting my legs up on the wall and breathing deeply. This is a very relaxed position that calms the body. And only when we feel sleepy should we go back to bed and sleep. This 20-minute rule is very universal. So even if we wake up in the middle of the night and can't fall back asleep, we should leave the room and only come back when we are sleepy. This is a great tip for parents with newborns who wake up at night. So those are the six ways to get a better sleep. Have a set routine for sleep, create darkness, cool down, avoid caffeine and alcohol, wind down and relax, and get up and leave if you cannot sleep. Now that's the science part of it. How should we think about all this in line with our life? Firstly, let's not get overwhelmed. We don't need to do everything. Let's just pick two three small changes that are okay for us and test them out. An easy one could be having a warm shower every night before sleeping. This helps both reducing the body temperature and calming the mind. Can we do this for a month and see what happens? Another easy rule could be no coffees beyond 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. There are many other small manageable changes we can consider. Dimming lights for 30 minutes before sleeping, buying blackout blinds, cooling the room before going to bed, no devices 30 minutes before bed, getting up and leaving if we can't get sleep for 20 minutes. or anything else from the tips we discussed earlier now we need not get upset or focus energies on things we don't want to change so if we don't want to give up weekend drinking or the glass of wine we have every night that's fine let's not do it let's not even think about it if we cannot go to sleep and wake up at the same time again don't worry about it don't think about it our lifestyle should not suffer the main objective is to find these small changes for ourselves where the lifestyle doesn't suffer much and our sleep can get enhanced we can always experiment with a few things see which ones work for us and then arrive at the best easy things that we can do which can deeply enhance our sleep i wish you best of luck as you experiment with sleep i hope you found some of these things useful that's it for today's episode i hope you enjoyed it i'm excited about the next episode which drops 2 weeks from now on april 26th in that episode We talked to Stephanie Dixon, entrepreneur and thought leader on climate change and sustainability. Through her venture Green is the New Black and other initiatives, Steph is creating a platform for green businesses and inspiring young people to pursue fulfilling careers. 
We talk about the important facts of climate change, what we need to know, and how we as an individual can make a difference. Here's a short clip from that episode. Choose your own adventure. And it's so simple, yet it's so powerful because this can be fun. This doesn't have to be a sacrifice. It can be something that you're passionate about and you get excited about. And really, when you find something that you are passionate about, you can go out and make that change and bring other people along for that journey as well. So I think their philosophy is really amazing. Also, they are very well backed in science and they have over a hundred different solutions to solve the climate crisis. I hope you join me for this episode. Till next time, bye-bye and have a wonderful day ahead.